What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wizards of Gallery Place podcast. Brendan and Dom are back on the show, and it is Tuesday. Or, sorry, Monday. Jeez, I'm looking at tomorrow. Already. Jeez, it, it is Monday, people. Monday, October 30th. Uh, Hallow's Eve, however you want to call it, day before Halloween. Wizards played two games last week. We're going to go over those with you guys and a little bit more. But before we get into all that, please make sure you subscribe to the podcast. If you are, if you already aren't, straight as five stars, leave us a kind review. All right, man, the Wizards last week went one and one. Uh, they lost to the Indiana Pacers like UI and uh, Will had all predicted. And then they ended up beating the Grizzlies in their home opener, which you were the only one out of the three of the three of us that predicted that they would get that win. Um, I still thought that they would lose. Will still thought that they would lose. But obviously it was a we knew that it was gonna be a much easier game uh, than the Indiana season opener game was. But I mean they're one and one. Um there are some positives to take away from this. There's some negatives which we kind of already knew about and then there's a lot of still up in the air type stuff that we're still trying to figure out exactly how this team is going to look but after a one and one start last week what are your just initial thoughts in general on how this team looks so far uh they've looked kind of as expected uh you know they started out playing a team that is is very pace heavy three-point heavy and their 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 defense and inability to find locate shooters, uh, especially in transition, it was it was evident. Um, that's been a theme with West coach this West Coach Wizards team for the last you know three years now or a year now. So teams like that that get out and run and get up put up threes at volume, we've struggled with. Uh, we we played the Memphis Grizzlies coming off of a back to back. They didn't have a lot of firepower, and they didn't really have a physical presence. So if there was a game to win on this tough 10-game stretch to start the year, that was the one. Because um, without Steven Adams, uh, you know, obviously without Ja, no Brandon Clark, um, they, they lose a lot of physicality and rim pressure, which is, again, something we struggle with trying to guard it. So now you're kind of left with just Desmond Bain. And... You can guard Desmond Bain. We got enough to guard him um, and kind of match him on the other end. As long as we wasn't doing nothing crazy or somebody got hurt, you know, that's a game you 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 can you can you can stack on the on the dub column, um, which is kind of what you know my point was on the last pod. It's like you know if it was Stephen Adams playing, you just, just Stephen Adams alone, I would have put that as an automatic L. But the fact that he was out. You lose that physicality. You saw Gaffer have a much better day, able to stay on the floor, be a real rim deterrent. Um, because Tillman is just not just not a match for him athletically. Jaron Jackson Jr., his physicality comes and goes. We saw that with the, the Team USA play. Uh, so he wasn't physical. So you really had nobody to worry about except for maybe a Desmond Bain getting hot. Um, and like I say, they were coming off of a back-to-back, so it, it, it worked out. We're going we gonna to see what it, what it is really, though, against these Celtics tonight. Yeah, for sure. Um, and before we get too much into next week, I'm looking at teams like the Celtics, uh, Hawks, Heat, who are in games this week. I figured we could go and go ahead and get into some uh, personnel questions, and then I know that you, you had a Reddit post that um, – 
you would like us for to discuss, which um, sounds like a plan to me. But player wise, mm-hmm. um, let's start off with Bilal Koulibaly. Uh, the first game, I was really, really upset with Wes because I feel like he didn't play enough meaningful minutes in a game that he was clearly impacting very, very positively. Um, he made a three-pointer. He was a defensive menace up and down the floor, had a really nice play on Tyrese Halliburton. And I'm like, man, like, why, what was the hesitation with playing him? Like, if he was, it's not like, again, there's a lot of bodies that they really needed to play ahead of those guys, uh, ahead of guys like him and Denny, who their minutes, I thought, were not as high as they probably should have been in that Indiana game. But in that second game, uh, against Memphis, Koulibaly really, really struggled. And I didn't mind him not getting the the minutes that game just simply because it it just wasn't really going well for him on either end of the floor, really. Like, he, he was still good defensively, but it wasn't like anything eye-popping to where I'm like, all right, we need to keep him out there for uh, X, Y, Z. And we knew that we were going to get a mixed bag of these types of games. I mean, he's a rookie. He's still trying to you know, figure out his skill sets and whatnot, trying to find his role, his niche for this season. So yeah. it's not like we were expecting him to go out there again and average like 15, 5, and 4 uh, this rookie year. We knew that we were going to have games like this. So I don't come away frustrated. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess I do come a, a, away a little bit encouraged, uh, specifically with that first game. But you just kind of hope as the season goes on. And I guess we'll see what the plans for him are this week. Um, but you would like to see him with an increased role and with the basketball a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we said it when we drafted him. Like, we didn't think he was going to average double-figure points this year as a rookie. Um, even, even in, even if he got the minutes. Like, I just his offensive game is not really there yet. It's, it's going to be a work in progress, which is fine. He's like what the third, fourth youngest player in the NBA. Um. So he's got time. I just want to see him put in more situations where he can impact the game defensively because I still I believe he's the best perimeter defender we have. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. He's just natural instincts for the ball and his awareness uh and athletic movements are just there's nobody else on this team that matches it. Um and then offensively, I think there's ways to kind of get him to certain spots to get easier buckets instead of just kind of like when he's in there, he's kind of just like an afterthought. Like he's just kind of moving the yeah. ball yeah. and he's kind of second guessing himself and unsure. So I would like to see the coach kind of do some things to build some confidence for him. Um, Cause it's, it's all, a, it's all a part of his growth and his development. Uh, but I, I can see why, you know, at least right now, initially you're trying to win games running plays for Bilal might not be at the top of your to-do list right now. So I, I can understand that this might be a conversation that will be better had when we get to, say, February or March. Because yeah. then at that point, depending on how this season goes, it's like, all right, all right, we training wheels off, let's let's just throw them in the fire. Um, and let's let's see what we really got in our rookie. Yeah. Um, I, again, with every sport, uh, typically when you're you're starting off a season, your goal and your mindset is, I want to go into championship. So regardless of how realistic that is or not, 
that's most organizations thoughts is we're in it until you know we're kind of not or we prove that we're not worthy so early on they've been leaning uh very heavy veteran lineups uh, last game it eased up a little bit but the first game we got on west because well at least i did anyway because you're playing guys like delon wright and danilo gallinari and you're giving him giving them more meaningful minutes than your number seven overall pick which is just insane to me given the type of year that we're expected to have um and then last game it lightened up with gallinari delon wright still got some minutes where you could argue that Kulabali should probably be in there over him but I mean, again, I digress. It's still early on in the season. Again, there's a lot to be ironed out. Like you said, I mean, it's we're going to have a really good idea by February. Hopefully we have an idea by December um, yeah. what the rotations and whatnot are going to look like. But um, definitely, like like you were saying, later on in the year, we can kind of evaluate Koulibaly. Is he actually being given a fair shot? Um and like you said, when he has the ball, I feel like they just kind of give it to him. They're like, well, go, you know, have at it, kid. And it's, yeah. like, it's not within the flow of the offense, you know. And I don't know if that's him and he just doesn't, like, know what to do when he gets the ball or maybe he's overthinking it. But that's just how it seems. It seems like he gets the ball. It's not in the flow of the offense. And they're like, all right, let's see what you can do. And I'm like, with with his kind of skill set and where his development is, you're you're not going to get much production. Um, when you put a guy in situations like that, you know, like this isn't Kobe Bufkin or, um, yeah, he's not, he's not a natural scorer that's going to take yeah. the ball and, and can go, you know, one on five and break down a defender. Like he's not there yet. Yeah. I mean, again, it's not like Bufkin or Keontae George or a guy like that. You know, this is a, an athletic wing who can score the ball, but he, again, like how, we, we've preached with some of these other guys on the team, and this was one of my issues the other night when we did our Twitter space. So there just needs to be more structure, I feel like, in certain situations. Um, moving on to – let's do Tyus. Tyus has been really, really good so far, which um, is nice. The, the defense is an issue. The, the size is an issue. Again, I, I'm hoping that that's not the long-term solution. Um, they plan on for that position with he and Jordan Poole both sharing the backcourt. But for now, I guess at least it's fine. Um, it's doable. It's it's not hurting them, it, it, which I, I think is good enough to warrant keeping it that way for now. But I've really had no complaints with Ty so far. I mean, yeah, there's a physical limitation there, and we've already seen that impact defensively. But it's nothing that I can like blame him for, you know. It's not his fault that he's six one. Yeah, I mean, on the season, he's you know he's at about fifteen points, six assists, um, under two turnovers. So I mean, that's that's good. That's good play from a starting point guard. Um, you know, even with the physical limitations on the defensive end, rebounding and things like that, um, he's just a ste- he's just a steady guy. Uh, he doesn't get to the free throw line, but I feel like. He still creates rim pressure because he gets into the paint. He'll put up the floater. He's not one of them guys that's going to get to the paint and, like, throw his body in the guys and get fouled. But he gets into the paint and 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 creates things and at least collapses the defense enough. Um, you know, whereas our last point guard, he wasn't barely dribbling past the free throw line. Um, I think Tyus is different in that way, even though the free throw numbers might look very similar. Um, when you actually watch them, it's it's different. It's a different approach 
with how they kind of play play with the ball at the top of the key. So, uh, so far he's been he's been uh, he's been good, man. I, I I have no complaints. Like I still don't think that's a long term solution, but uh, for Kinder, where we're trying to get to, but for right now he's he's been playing well, man. Yeah, and again, it's uh, I think the idea and proper mindset with this should be um, trade. Like he's playing really well right now, which is really good because it's only going to increase his value as we get closer to the trade deadline. Which I still think the move should be um, to eventually move him. Now, I'm not saying move him just because I want Jordan Poole to play point guard because I, I think even that is you know very very questionable at this point. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the mindset should be if you have any veterans that can get you any kind of first round pick value, then they should be gone. And and that also includes Kuzma, um, maybe Jordan Poole. I, I doubt Jordan Poole, maybe, but Kuzma, especially as we get closer to the deadline, you know, Kuzma and um, Tyus, those are probably the two that are going to net you the most value back. So um, regardless, if they decide to keep them or not, we should kind of be hoping that both of them continue to play the way that they have been so far. Um, which, speaking of Jordan Poole, we can go ahead and um, get into him now, and then we can get to Kyle Kuzma after that. Um, J- JP's not been bad. He's not been bad. But yeah, his decision-making leaves a lot to be desired right now as it pertains to shot selection um, and to be honest with you, that's kind of the only beef that I have with him. Um, that and his handle has been kind of shaky so far. It's kind of looked like Beal, like he's trying to do too much with the ball and like he loses it. Um, but his shot selection hasn't really been the best. And you can tell that the talent is there. Like if he wanted to go out there and average an efficient 25-27, he could easily do that. I mean, there is no reason why he couldn't with this guy's skills and and tools and all that very easily could be a very, very good score in this league. I think, again, it's going to come down to his shot selection and being able to be more of a playmaker, which we've heard all about his playmaking abilities all offseason. His teammates have preached about it. Um, my son has preached about it, but we haven't really seen that aspect so far. It seems like when he has the ball, he has one goal, and that's to put up a shot. And to me, that there needs to be a little bit more open-mindedness from him especially when you're the lead guard um you're probably going to have the highest usage rate if not the second highest usage rate on this team so we need to to see a little bit more of an all-around game from him from an offensive uh, offensive standpoint so i would say with you like again it's not been like overly good i don't think it's been bad it's just kind of 50 50 but again when you have a guy who's going to be making you know 27 this year 29 31 35 whatever million dollars um, you hope to see him gradually improve, especially in those areas as we move forward. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I was I was saying this on Twitter the, the other day. It's like there's a thin line between microwave score, you know, six man type and all star level guard. And and pool to me is kind of like teetering that line. And I think what can get him over the hump with that, where he's a bona fide, like he's looked at as a bona fide, like all-star level, all-star caliber guard, is his his shot selection. Um, 
and just kind of diversifying his 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 attack points. Like I, I just feel like he he settles too much. Um, he had he had one play against Memphis, or uh, actually a couple times against Memphis, where he got the switch. He had Tillman on him at the top of the key, and instead of just getting by him and, and getting a layup or getting fouled or going into a nice easy uh, open pull up, he just he shoots a step back thirty footer, and it's just like, why? You just bail the defense out. Like you got the mismatch. So that you can get a guy that's not as quick as foot as you, and you can get by him. Why would you? You could have shot the thirty footer with the guard on you. Like yeah. it would have probably been an easier shot <laughs> because you don't have the length uh, uh, to contest it. So it's 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 just like it's his it's his to me it's his shot selection. That's that's the biggest issue I've had. I feel like he does not get anything easy. Like everything he's trying to create is difficult. And it doesn't have to be because you're too quick. You're too skilled with the ball in your hands to be taking this many difficult shots. Like, you can get to the rim anytime you want. Why are you cross-cross, tween, step-back, sidestep, 30-footer? Why? For what? One, you're wasting dribbles. You're wasting shot clock. You're wasting energy just to take a bad shot. Like, you you don't need to do that. So... I, I would like to see him get dialed back some of the ball is life moves and and be more methodical with his attack. Like if you got a slow foot big on you, get, get man, get past that man <laughs> and get a goddamn layup. Um and, and and when I see him play like a clean game, when I see them run a pin down for him or he comes off a screen, um or he takes a one-two dribble pull-up, it's cash every time. When he gets a clean look, his feet set, he's got a beautiful jumper. It's just more times than not, if he takes 10 shots, eight of them shots going to be falling to the side, fade away with a leg out, tween, tween, sidestep, has he pulled from, from 35. And it's like, if it's going in, it's cool. But if it's not, is breaking your offense, and you're just kind of like, dude, what are you doing? What What are you doing? Um, I, I remember one. I remember one where uh, in that first half, when when Corey Kispert was going off uh, against Memphis, that Kispert had hit like two, three straight threes. Who comes down, tries to do a tween tween cross, and dribbles it out of bounds. And Corey's sitting there like clapping for the ball, like I'm I'm on a heater. And it's like, what are you doing? You know, with with the Denny situation, it was like, all right, I, I understood that. Like, Poole was on a heater, and Denny is not really a shooter. I understood that. But you got Kispert, one of the best three-point shooters in the league. You were struggling, and you break up the momentum coming down trying to do a ball-is-life move. Like, no, get the ball up. Give it up, man. So... I, I, that's, that's the only critique I got for him. I, I, I think he'll get better. But he just need to he just need to be more decisive decisive with his his moves, man. Because some of it is unnecessary as hell. Yeah. Um, and any if anything, I know there there may or may not be some like Jordan Poole fans that are coming over from Warriors uh, Twitter to 
listen to some of these takes that we have about JP. And if anything, this is actually a compliment to him. This isn't even really tearing him down because, again, he has all the ability in the world has it all, to, man. To, to be a much smarter basketball player, to be more efficient. He can be that guy, but again, it's he's been shooting himself in the foot so far. Um, he, he's trying to go for the, the home run play every time right. he has the ball. And it's like, I understand that there was a lot of expectations. Like a, a lot of Wizards fans were probably more excited about JP than they should have been, um, especially me. Like I, I, I was a big like, oh, like it, it's about to be real. Like it, it, this is about to be fun. And it still can be. And there are parts where it still is. But we don't need you to go and try for the, the home run hit every single time. Like we're coming off of a guard who was at times – inefficient, took some questionable shots, um, wasn't a good defender. We don't need more of the same. We need something different. Um, and so I just hope that he realizes that, you know, he just needs to be a little bit more calm in his approach and how he plays. And it's fine if you take the home run play once in a while, but that's after you've built up yourself like a 7-0 run or you guys are on like a, a 12-0 run and you just came off making a three-pointer and you want to go for another one or something like that. Like it's about flow of the game and just having that awareness of, is this my moment to take that kind of gamble or is it not? And again, I, I think that just yeah. when he stops trying to be Curry and he just yeah, tries to be Jordan Poole, <laughs> That was the other thing. You just reminded me. I don't want to see no more goddamn throwing up the 30 footer, turning before it go in, looking at the bench, and that shit clanking. I don't want to see that no more. Just eliminate that shit from your game, man. Like, let's let's get back to the basics. Um, I don't want to see it no more, man. He do that shit. Trey Young do it. And it's like, neither one of y'all are Steph. Steph is one of one. He's one of one, man. Like, <laughs> play your game. Like, I just, I don't want to see it no more, man. I don't want to see it no more. Yeah. Um, and again, he'll, he'll have more opportunities. Obviously, the season goes on. There's a good opportunity uh, tonight. Another home game against the Celtics. Got Kristaps Porzingis coming back in town to be um, some other high scorers in that game. You got um, – Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, he'll have some good tests defensively too because you'll have Derek mm-hmm. White on him. JB may check him. Then you still got Drew fucking Holiday. So um, it, it'll be a good test for him tonight to see where he's at. Um, to, to see if he, yeah. Yeah, to yeah, see yeah. if he's maybe calm down. So this will be a good, uh, a good Jordan Pulley evaluation game tonight to kind of see where he's at. The, um, the Celtics are going to guard him very similarly to how the Raptors guarded him in the preseason. And I want to see him make the adjustment because this they are the, this is one of those anti ISO defenses. Uh, shout out to my man that used that term on, on Twitter. I can't think of his name, but uh, you ain't gonna bear to go ball his life against the Celtics defense against Drew Holiday and Derek White and then Jalen Brown and Tatum on the switch with KP at the rim. You're not gonna bear to do it. No, nope. you better get and- off that motherfucking ball and cut and catch it in and- a position to pull up. Or get to the free throw line. So, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, it'll be one of those situations where you may earn a seat next to Wes on So Jr. on that bench, and I wouldn't blame him. If he just is throwing up bullshit and is taking the team out of the rhythm offensively and isn't guarding anybody on defensively, really, then yeah, he might earn himself a spot 
next to West this game. So um, anyway, before we get too much into uh, opponents for the week, there was a Reddit post. Actually, no, let's go over Kuzma real quick. I'll, we don't really have to spend too much time yeah. on this. Um, Kuzma's been about as Kuzma-ish as I thought Kuzma could be this year. Um, it's what's expected, and that's not a bad thing. He's been good so far. I have no complaints. Um, he's been competitive on both ends of the floor. He's talking on defense, trying to be a leader, um, still scoring the ball when we really need a bucket. So, I mean, he, he's missed some threes so far. But, I mean, again, it's, you know, we have no one else to do it. And that's the beauty of this. And this is what I was going to say with JP and other guys, too. It, it, there's something liberating about going into a game and not really being like, oh, we really need to win this one because we have no expectations of winning. So it's much freer to just evaluate players on a game-to-game basis. Is this guy progressing? Is he not? Okay, if he is not, why isn't he? Um, But obviously Kuzma at this point, uh, different from the JP conversation, because Kuzma's in his prime right now, 27, 28 years old. Um, But he's played really well so far. Again, I have no complaints about Kuzma. Yeah. Yeah, he's looked like how I've expected him to look. Um, you know, he's 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 picking his spots. I just think shots haven't really f- fell for him. He, but they're clean looks. You know, they're not they're not one where you know he's falling away or you know doing a bunch of extra movement. Um, it just been they been, he just hasn't really hit the shots. Uh, I think right now he's shooting like fourteen percent from three. Like, and and even with that, he's still at forty three percent from the field in total. So. If he was just hitting uh, uh, a third of his threes, he would be highly efficient with his uh, his overall field goal percentage. So, um, yeah, I, I haven't had an issue with his play. I thought the first game, you know, the fact that he only had, I think, two rebounds, I'm like, you better than that, you know. And then he rectified it against Memphis, 13 boards. So I think he's, he understands that Kuz is a very self-aware player. He knows his strengths and weaknesses. Um, and I think he's finally understanding that he's an inside-out player. Uh, so he gets his rhythm getting into the paint, getting to the free throw line, and then that, that allows him to stretch. Now you can pull up from 30. Now you can do that heat check. And then next thing you know, you look up, and he's got 30 points on 19 shots. Um, that's, that's, that's where I want to see him go uh, and be that guy consistently because I think he – he's their their best player and he needs to be their best player if they're going to be competitive um so yeah no 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 issues with Kuz, man i i he's doing what i expected him to do um injury update anthony go came back uh last game but did not see any pt which is a good sign um which he may see see some tonight we'll get into that here in a sec um Johnny Davis is back now, so it's unclear whether or not he'll see any action tonight. Um, I hope he does at the expense of DeLon Wright, because I'm honestly tired of watching it at this point. And um, Shamit's still hurt, right? Or Shamit practicing? I thought he practiced, but I don't know if he He probably did. He he probably did, yeah. Yeah, Um, I don't know if he did. However... We, the the one guy that you really one of the guys that you really don't want to see get hurt got hurt and this has been a trend with him mm-hmm. for a while now I'm not blaming the player I'm just calling it what it is he's injured a lot 
Um, but Daniel Gafford got hurt last game. He he did complete the game, and they didn't necessarily rule him out for tonight or this week. I, I don't think as of now anyway. Maybe I missed something, but um, there's still a chance he could play. But if he doesn't go, then it is looking really, really rough interior-wise this week. And again, we, we may just have no shot to compete in any of these three games this week if Gafford can't play. Um, at least 20, 25 minutes or so. Yeah. Uh, and this is, this is what we were worried about, right? Like, because mm-hmm. you put all your eggs in the Gafford basket, you got to live with it, right? So he's already, you know, the ankle. If if he can't play, you're going to start Mike Muscala, <clears throat> who's been pretty much a career third stringer. Let me pick uh, your brain about something real quick. So we, we've talked about it some. What, if you're calling the Pistons and asking for James Wiseman, like, what do you think the, the fair value would be for him? I mean, how did the Pistons get him? The Pistons gave up what? Second round pick? Right? Yeah, I know it was in the trade. I mean, let, me, let me go look real quick. It, it wasn't much. Like, I mean, I, the Warriors pretty much gave him away. Um, and here's the thing, too. Did, did they just sign him on a deal, or, or is this last year on his rookie contract? I can't remember, because if they just signed him, maybe it was Bagley I'm thinking of, but if they just signed Wiseman, then the Wizards wouldn't be able to trade for him until December. But I can't remember what his contract is like. I, I think it was Bagley that they re-signed. Yeah, so the Warriors gave up. They basically so yeah so the so the the Pistons got him, and they gave up uh, a second that wasn't even there. Some seconds from Atlanta that they own, uh, and that was that was pretty much it. So because it was it ended up being a fourteen deal, but yeah, basically they got him for a second round pick. So I, I would expect that would be the value. I mean, he ain't he hasn't done anything since to warrant any more than that. I mean, especially if he couldn't beat out Marvin Bagley. So, I would say, yeah, second-round pick. It's just that his salary is so high because he was the number two overall pick. I think he's going to make... What is he, like 12, 13? Let's see. Um, What's his contract looking like? Uh, Okay, yeah, so he's going to make 12 million this year. Yeah. So we would have the salary match, you know. Um, and I guess we could afford to take in a little bit more. Like if we send out, you know, I'm just spitballing, but if you send out like a Delon Wright or a Gallinari, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, you yeah, can. It would be something like that. Yeah, yeah. You probably had to uh, send out like nine million. No, we could do that. And I, I guess the question is too is. Is it worth investing in another piece like that? Because um, here's how I, especially with James Wiseman, we just stick to James Wiseman, and then I guess answer the question more broadly. Um, he's going to be expiring this year, right? So this is it. So because I don't, I think it was Bagley that got paid. I don't think they paid Wiseman yet. Yeah. So did. if he's expiring, then you have to go through the whole restricted free agency route with him. 
if for some reason you don't agree to an extension, which I think that time has come and gone, right? Like, I don't think the Wizards can trade for him and then extend him, right? Right. Right. So you have to wait until free agency, and then you never know if a team's going to want to offer more. Then you have to play the game of, well, you, you traded such and such for him. You should probably try and retain him. But I guess it goes back to, again, like, what his value will actually be. And then furthermore, is there anything that we have that the Pistons would even want? Now, I know that they would probably take a second-round pick for a guy that's going to be collecting DNPs, but I just wonder, like, is there another team that would offer more, or is there, like, a player swap for another team that would be more incentivizing for Detroit to make a move there? Because looking at our roster and the guys I'd be willing to part with, I'm not really sure it makes a whole lot of sense for Detroit outside of Kyle Kuzma, but a Kyle Kuzma for James Wiseman trade at this point would be very, very nasty. Unless the Pistons gave us, like, two first-round picks. Then maybe you consider it, and you consider, like, Wiseman a part of the package. But, like, just a, a straight-up, like, I can't think of any player that would benefit Detroit right now. Uh, I mean, they need, they need shooting. So, Kispert? Uh, but, again, yeah. you trade Kispert for I'm a guy like that, that, and it's like, no. I'm not, no. Yeah, no. exactly, exactly. I'm not giving him that. Uh. Maybe Shamit? I would give him. I would give him Landry Shamit. His ten million. I, I I could do that right now. Boom, done. We ain't even got had no picks in it. We could just do that straight up. Yeah, gets back with Monty. Uh... Yeah, we can do that straight up. You get a, you get a shooter, and we get a big. We hope can you know we can rise right. Because Shamit's expiring too. So either way, it's like, yeah. and at least with Wiseman, we get the opportunity to match. Is where with Shamit, it's like. You know, he's probably just going to walk anyway, and we'd probably have no interest in re-signing him. We got Johnny Davis, Bilal Kispert. You don't need Sam. Um, I, I would, I would, I would looking to do that, do that right now. As soon as, as soon as uh, Shamit passes a physical and he healthy, I'm calling Detroit to make that call. <laughs> I guess the the other part of the question is is. Is it worth investing in? And I guess it really isn't an investment when you're talking about like just giving up Landry Shamit. But let's pretend there was another center on the market that may require like something like a second round pick or two. Is it worth investing in something like that when you know that you're probably not going to be that good anyway? But at the same time, again, like there is a competitive aspect of, you know, wanting to make sure that you're not terrible. Like, because then you're going to start losing um, guys because of, like, morale. At least in my opinion. Like, I'm fine with losing. I am not cool with being uncompetitive, and that's where you lose the me. Wizards don't need to be surrendering any type of draft capital. I don't care if it's a second-round pick. I'm sure not a first-round pick. Like, they need to be trying to find a way to add draft capital, not mm-hmm. surrender. I don't care for who it is. They need to add it. Uh, if they're trying to get a, a young guy, like I said, they can have the vets. But I'm trying to add draft capital, not give it up. Nah, even even for another young guy, like no, I'd rather keep my young, I'd rather keep my draft pick and go get my own young guy, than trade it for somebody else's young guy that didn't work there. Um, yeah, like I said, if you want to take one of these vets off our hand for a young guy, store, sure. have at it. But I'm not giving up no draft capital. We need to be, we need to be adding it. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think if it got to a point where if you needed to add centers. Um, then you probably just you try and trade a guy somewhere and then sign one off the market if need be, or maybe you just wave a guy like Anthony Gill and then you bring a center on board. 
um, whatever, you know, you need to do to, but again, to me, you need to be at least like competitive down there. You can't just like go in every game and you get your ass kicked like you did against Indiana, because that's not fun. No one's getting any better. It's hard to evaluate. And then at the end of the day, you know, guys aren't going to be having fun, which I know, which was a point that Will Dawkins had brought up at one point. And I know a lot of it is lip service. You know, you, you just want the fans to know that you're trying to build something positive. But I think that there is something to that. You know, fine with losing on a consistent basis. But, I mean, you can't go out there and just get throttled every game because you're not getting better. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Let's get to your Reddit post, man, because that kind of ties into what we've been talking about. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. What was it again? Read it off. Oh, yeah, yeah. So hold on. I was trying to find it, but I, I'll, I'll just give the gist of it. Um, it was it was basically a, a, someone had posted asking the question, you know, would you be nervous? Are you nervous about the Wizards winning too many games this season? And obviously the ramifications of that are lessening the chances of getting a top high pick. Um, so, so I'm just kind of like, you know, with uh, the temperature on the fan base, like if 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 the Wizards won, you know, thirty eight games this year, and you know, snuck in somehow snuck into the play in, would you be pissed off about that? Um, and I kind of just sat and just thought about it. And I'm just kind of I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on it. Well, here's how I view it, right? So, and I was thinking about this. Um, to myself, like just sitting there in bed, and I'm like, even if we lose, like everyone's like, oh, the Wizards should tank, tank, tank. You guys know very well that we could have the worst record in the NBA, but then come lottery night, we have the number four pick. Like everyone knows that that is a very, very real possibility. And it's actually proven that the team that has that number one pick going into the lottery sure as hell ain't going to be keeping it. Like the Rockets. <laughs> so my thing is, I'm not saying go out there and like, try to, you know, be a playoff. Now, if it happens that they're a playoff team, then whatever. Because um, here, if, if they win this year, like say that they're ahead of schedule, then that to me is a nod of assurance to Will Dawkins and Michael Winger. And I guess at that point, you have to include Wes Unsell Jr. in that mix because you are ahead of schedule. You have proven that in a year where you weren't supposed to be very competitive, that if you shaped a roster to your vision, you could be just as competitive as the previous regime with a more veteran-oriented team. So to me, that would be a positive. Like, there's not really a, a negative side of that for me where, the oh, if they win, does it ruin lottery chances? Because we could have, like, the, the ninth or eighth odds, and that's proven that the, the people that are picking in that range, like seven to nine, your odds of moving into the top four are very, very good. And again, if you have that number one or number two pick, you're probably not keeping it. You're probably moving down. So... Again, the, it's not like the NFL where you lose, you know, you're the worst team in the NFL where you're going to have the number one pick, you know, in the NBA, we know that it's not like that. So to me, it's like the, the, the losing isn't exact. You're not getting a certain return on that. So if they want to go out there and win games, that's fine by me. I will never root for the team to lose unless it's the end of the season. We have no shot yeah. of getting in and it's directionless. I will never root for the team to lose unless it's those circumstances. But right now, we're not directionless. 
we've rebuilt the team to the best of their ability that they can do with this first year. They have made their choice on the direction for this franchise. It would be encouraging to see them come away with a decent amount of wins this year. And if that's not the play, and if it is the play and shit, if it's even the playoffs, then that's fine. Like, again, there's, there's not a way to me that they could really mess this up this year because no matter what happens, you can look at things positively. And that's the beauty of a team that doesn't have expectations is no matter what they do, you can try and find positives out of it. Yeah. I, I, <clears throat> I think I've been pretty, I think I'm just going to default to kind of where I've been with this whole draft and tanking uh, ordeal, you know, since I've been a fan, like to me, <clears throat> it is much more important who's doing the drafting than where you are drafting. Um, and I think history bears that out. Uh, you can look at our last five drafts. Everywhere to, every time we've drafted, there's been a guy that if we took that guy, we, we are super happy. We got an all-star. Um, but we didn't. And if you go back and you look at these drafts, it's not like the top five has the top five best players in the redraft. It's not how it works. Like, Every draft, there's going to be talent scattered throughout the first round, sometimes even the second round. It is up for, to your talent evaluators to figure out who those players are, which is to me why I always say, again, that doing the picking is more important than where you're picking because I've seen so many teams drafting top five, top five, top five every year, and they've been a decade plus without making the damn playoffs. So what does that tell you? <laughs> if I may really quick, uh, Will Dawkins also said the same exact thing. Like, it's on him to find the players. It doesn't matter where you, where you pick. It's yeah. how and who you're picking. Yeah, because it, it, if, if, it if it was just as simple as getting a top pick, then, then the Orlando Magic would have a title. The Kings would have a title. The, the Pistons would have a title. The Rockets would have a title right now in the last decade because they've been drafting top five for the last – However long, right? So it's that's not that's not what matters. So I want to see if if the Wizards win, great. If they lose, great, right? I want to see the development of the young guys. I want to see them really investing in identifying talent that works in today's game, like. The fact that they drafted Bilal, to me, was, was evidence that there's a change here. When you got a GM coming on talking about 99th percentile athlete. These are things that were never said with the previous regime and even the regime before that. Um, and, and that's where I want us to be. That's the headspace I want us to be in because that type of eval and analysis of player on, on draft day, I think is going to go a long way, whether you're picking number two or whether you're picking 12, um, you're going to identify guys that fit what it is you're trying to accomplish that works in the NBA. So that's where I'm at with it. Like, I, I, I trust this staff, Dawkins, Winger, to identify uh, talent no matter where we sit in the draft. I just want us to get some more picks. So let's get some more picks so we can be picking, you know, eight, nine, plus four, plus uh, 22, wherever, wherever we land at. Um, I want the volume of picks to get his front office more opportunities to hit home run. 
Right. And and again, that doesn't mean that, and we've talked about this before, that doesn't mean that you're going to be making all those picks. You, you can't do that. If you're stacking mm-hmm. up on second round picks and extra first round picks every year, eventually you're going to run out of roster spots. So at some point, something has to give. So you're either using those picks to climb up in the draft, like we saw this past draft. That's exactly what you accumulate those second round picks for. So that you can move up a spot or two in the draft and get your guy. That's what it's about. And then once you have an established uh, young core that you know can hang in this league, then that's where you use some of those excess picks to bring in some veterans like a Nene, like a Gortat, like an Ariza, to supplement your young players so that you can try and make a make a playoff appearance and make a playoff run before you have to pay your young players an extremely high amount of money. That that's Absolutely. the goal. That's what it's the same thing with NFL and quarterbacks. You want to try and win while your quarterback is on your your rookie deal where you have them for five years. Because yep. once it comes up and you got to pay them, then suddenly you, your resources are limited to try and put talent around your quarterback. It's the same thought process. So you want to try and win while, while the core of your roster, your most important players are younger. And then you're filling in the gaps from there to try and put together a more all-around team. Because not one or two players can do literally everything. I think that the, the biggest carry job I've seen was when Luca took that team to the Western Conference Finals. That was unreal to me. But, you know, it, yeah. It, yeah. injuries along the way, they were playing the Jazz. It's like, yeah, I get it. But still, like, it's hard to carry yeah. teams like that. So. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at, you look at how they've structured contracts. Kuzma, de-escalating deal. Denny, de-escalating deal. You got Bilal on it. You got a Bilal on a rookie contract for the next, what, five years. Uh, you got uh, uh, Corey Kispert. They're probably going to do something similar if he's staying here. Um, a de-escalating deal, good deal, right? So now you create a nest egg, a nucleus of cheap contracts. You have cap space where you can go get a guy. So if we start winning ahead of schedule, well, we're winning ahead of schedule with cap space, okay? I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. It's nothing wrong with that. It ain't like, again, we paying out, you know, two max salary players and we competing for a play-in. We under the cap. If we compete for a play-in and young guys is flourishing in their roles, um, that's something I can get behind. I'm with it. So, like I said, to me, it's more about who doing the drafting than it is where you're drafting because history has shown that if you got a bad talent evaluator – it don't matter if you pick in top three every year. That bad talent evaluator is going to more than likely pick bad talent. And then you're stuck in the trading for guys like Russ, Dinwiddie. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you're down, now you're trying to supplement bad drafts by trading for other people's stars. Um, and again, like the, the beauty of this is the, the, the win-loss doesn't matter. We said that before the season. It does not matter. If they do either of those along the way, as long as we're seeing the proper development, <clears throat> the coaching is being handled properly, I don't care about the result of the season from a win-loss perspective. It doesn't bother me. We just want to see the progression of Koulibaly, Denny, Kuzma, and Tyus look good. So if, if a trade situation comes up, can we ship them off? Um, Kispert, maybe you could throw into that group. So, again, just the, the progression of the young guys and just the roster in general is important because that just opens up more avenues and opportunity for you as a front office down the line. So, again, win-loss, don't care. We just want to see good basketball being played, at least entertaining basketball. 
good enough to build value for guys. We'll put it that way. Guys, All right. Shout out to Corey Kispert, too, because he went off. He went off. Shout out to Corey Kispert, man. We didn't even talk about him and Denny. Like, we didn't talk about him or Denny at the top, and that's totally my fault. Um, but Kispert, man, you laid an egg game one, came out, had a great game two. Denny's been solid in both games. I really liked the, his confidence specifically in that last game. I hope we get to see more of that. Um, again, he'll have a good opportunity tonight. Maybe he'll have the he'll probably have the Tatum assignment tonight. So, um, yeah, these these the games right here <clears throat> where I want to see the young talent kind of spread their wings, man, yep. against the Celtics. Not not yep. against the, the the bad teams, the other young teams. I want to see y'all do some against the against the elite. And we're you not know? talking about winning. We don't see. care if you win. Yeah, we I don't care about the win. Out. Yeah, I want I want you to yeah go go at Tatum, go at Jalen Brown with that same energy you go at the backup or the third string guy. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, um, we have three games this week so far. I am one and one. You are two and zero oh on predictions. Uh, first game this week tonight, Monday, Boston. Um, projected starting lineup for them, I believe, is Derek White. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, um, Al Horford, and Porzingis. I think that that's the five they've been rolling with, right? No, Drew. I thought Drew has been starting. Oh, I thought they were keeping him off the bench. Let me check. No, I think think they've been going small. I think they've been bringing Al Horford off the bench. Oh, you know what? You might be right. You might be right. Let me just – because not that I don't believe you. I just want to check to make sure I have it right. Not that, again, that it really matters. They're probably going to beat us pretty bad, but – <laughs> um, box score. You are right. You are right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they've been going Holiday, White, uh, Brown, Tatum, and Porzingis. So we'll have Drew Holiday against Tyus Jones, um, Derek White and Jordan Poole, um, Denny and Jalen Brown, Kuzma, Tatum. And again, I'm I'm just going off one through four how they have it listed. I'm not. That's not saying who's going to guard who and whatnot. Um, and Porzingis and uh, who are they going to start tonight, man? I I'm gonna I'll guess. God damn, I'm gonna guess Gallinari. But I mean, you could guess Gallinari, Muscala, Gill. I mean, it doesn't matter. For size, maybe they go Muscala. You gotta go Muscala, right? I mean, oh, this is gonna be bad, man. Oh man, it's gonna be bad. Yeah, you you gotta go Muscala, I would think, because uh, I like some of the effort he gave against Memphis. Um, yeah, um, you know, the, the the lack of Gallo minutes, I think, was an addition by subtraction, because <laughs> um, he just can't run, man. And I hate to say that, because I think he could still shoot the leather off that motherfucker, but he just can't run. Yeah, yeah, no. he's skilled. He just can't physically compete, which is a shame. Yeah. Go play it overseas, man. Some place where, you know, you, you can play probably two to three more years, make a little bit more money, probably have more fun doing it, have more opportunity. Yeah. Um, again, he's a guy I would have waived at the uh, at the end of preseason. He yeah, we, we thought that was going to happen. We, we really thought that was going to happen. So then the fact that it didn't, and then the first game, he played 25 minutes. It was like, what? <clears throat> Um, Boston, to me, though, again, we talked about at the beginning of the season, they're one of the Eastern Conference Finals contenders. They have a lot of defensive pieces on this roster. And to be honest, we just quite simply don't have the talent that they have. 
Um, <clears throat> again, I'll be interested in keying in on guys like Poole. How does he handle the defensive pressure? Same thing with Denny um, and Denny Moore from a, a two-way factor as well. Um, maybe Bilal gets some minutes in there. How how does he look against some of these other defensive players? Can he make an impact at least on the defensive end? Uh, but I, at the end of the day, I'm still going to give the Wizards a loss here. Oh, yeah, yeah. It is definitely a loss. <clears throat> All right. Then we have Wednesday night. We are at Atlanta. Um, Atlanta hasn't had the, the hottest start to the season, at least I don't think. Let me check the standings real quick. I thought I saw Hawks fans bitching about them the other day. Yeah, they're one and they've two. Yeah, they've been struggling. Um, so Young has not looked good. No, and I'm trying to look at to see who they've been starting and if guys are injured and whatnot because I might mess around and give the Wizards a win against them. Let me double check their depth chart real quick. Yeah, losing against the Hornets is nasty work. Oh, um, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you got Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, Sadiq Bey, DeAndre Hunter, and Clint Capella. Oh, it's it's hard because like without predicting if Gafford's going to be back or not. Um, I'll go ahead and give the Wizards a loss here, though, but I could very well see them winning that game. Yeah, so this one's going to be tough for me because their first 10, I had the Wizards going 2-8. and eight. And the mm-hmm. win that I had, I was teetering between the, the Grizzlies, this Hawks team, and then they got two, I think, back-to-back against the Hornets. Like, I think game seven and game eight. Um, one at home, one in a way. So I was like, all right, those are four winnable games. I figured they could split them, you know, and then the rest is just the, the just talent overwhelming. So I'm going to say, man, because they're coming off, they're coming off Celtics, is, is the Hawks game back-to-back? Is it right right after? Is it tomorrow? No, it's when we have it's Monday, Wednesday, Wednesday, Friday this week. Okay. So they do get a day rest. Okay, I'm a. <laughs> Here's how I'd like. What what swayed me is I'm like <clears throat> the talent per talent we could probably hang, but as it comes to like scheme and defensive rotations, like I know we're not going to be able to go and guard shooters. So yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it's a close one. It comes down to the last couple minutes in the fourth, and then I think Trey Young hits like a a, a dagger and they take it because it's in it's in Atlanta, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say they that we we compete well, but we ultimately lose. Fair enough. Um, third and final game of the week, we have the Miami Heat, who are also one and two. Haven't looked that stellar to start the season here. Their projected starting five is Kyle Lowry, Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler, Kevin Love, and Bam Adebayo. Um. Hmm. This is an interesting one. Because I really honestly don't think that highly of the Heat. But I, I never do. You know this. Every year I never do. And what did I say last year? I said I was never going to doubt them again. However, this is the regular season. And it is the, the like probably fifth or sixth regular season game for them. Hmm. Jimmy Butler is... Not that great of a shooter. I mean, he'll give you games where he erupts and looks like prime Jordan, but in a regular season game against the Wizards, Kevin Love is slow. 
Bam's all right, but he's not overly physical. Tyler Hero and Jordan Poole's good. Tyus and Kyle Lowry, I tend to think Tyus would win that one. Their bench is Duncan Robinson, Thomas Bryant, Jaime Hawkins. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a tough one. At Miami. Friday night. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Heat though, just cause Spo, and I think you'll have a better mm-hmm. game plan. But again, I, I, it's very. I could see the Wizards winning both the Hawks and the Heat game, to be honest with you. But I'll, I guess I'll give it to the Heat just to play it safe. You just said at Miami on a Friday night. We yep. in the club. Bro. We in the club. That's definitely an L. <laughs> That's definitely an L. <laughs> Go ahead. That's, that's an L, bro. It's an L. We in the club Friday night. Yeah, it's an L. It's an L. Um, yeah, it's an L. I, I just think the Heat, they just physical, man. They physical, and we not. Um, so maybe we get hot shooting, but I just think the type of looks that you get versus, you know, average bad teams – you're not going to get them looks against the Heat because they, they, they just rotate so well. So I, I got that as an L, too. So we got the Wizards going 0-3 this week, which, again, though, I mean, two out of these three games, and you can really make an argument. Like that Hawks and Heat game, we were really thinking about it because it's, re- it's really not that yeah, impressive. Like this talent isn't overwhelming. This talent isn't overwhelming. <clears throat> All right. Uh, anything you want to add? Uh no, I'm like I'm just I'm just curious to see how our guys handle uh the Celtics point of attack defense this this game tonight. I, that's going to tell me a lot about how this year is going to go. <clears throat> uh, do we want to do a space uh, Wednesday night? Wednesday night will be after the Hawks game. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I'm with that. Okay, so we'll do. Weekly space on Wednesday. Please make sure that you guys are continuing to subscribe to the pod. It really helps us out. I know a lot of you listen and aren't subscribed. Just subscribe, man. It takes five seconds. Rate the pod five stars. Leave us a kind review. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.